Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm having trouble keeping track of the uh, time of day and the darkness here of winter, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll power through it. You know, in the bleak midwinter, as they would say, but we are here today to preview hopefully something, I guess we'll see, hopefully something not as bleak, but we are here to preview the Packers' upcoming matchup on Monday Night Football against the New York Giants in New York. Exciting stuff. We got a lot of interesting things to talk about, how we think the Packers are set up for this matchup, some things for the Giants that might pose them pro- pose the Packers' problems, that is. Before we get into any of that, though, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out when we have new episodes out we tweet out stats that we find interesting from when we're doing research for these podcasts tweet out articles we find interesting pieces of packers news pieces of like video analysis that other creators make that we find interesting one-stop shopping for everything title town and then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice whether that's apple google spotify we even put all our all our episodes out on youtube as well uh so you can check them out there but dad let's get into this preview because we have a lot to talk about but before we do uh just one little piece of uh, news and that we actually forgot to bring up in our last podcast but that was that the Packers claimed corner David Long off of waivers from Pan- the Panthers another corner added to that room which put their roster size to 53 so they're at 53 now something to keep in mind though uh Eric Stokes we'll we get into the injury report we'll talk a little more about this but Eric Stokes uh looking like they're going to possibly bring him back this week for this game if they did, they would need to make a corresponding move and cut someone off the roster. So that is something to keep an eye on. Just, you know, for future reference, you know, just keep that rumbling around in the back of your heads. But dad, I mentioned the injury report. Let's get to that right away because we do have a lot to talk about. This injury report is as of Friday. We are recording to you Friday evening. We do not have the official designations out yet because it is a Monday game. So we will be seeing those tomorrow. Keep your eye on your feed on Twitter. We will be retweeting that and keeping it up to date. For the Packers, though, these uh, practice reports are for Thursday and Friday. Let's just, you know, start going through it. Jair Alexander for the Packers, uh, uh, limited participant both Thursday and Friday uh, with a shoulder injury. Same shoulder that's been keeping him out for a little while now. Uh, Devondre Campbell, that neck injury, limited Thursday and Friday. I believe this is the same neck injury, though, that he had, you know, uh, he was... I believe questionable with last week coming into that game and then was still able to play. So hopefully nothing too new there. Josiah DeGuara, a full participant, both Thursday and Friday with that hip injury. So it's looking like the Packers are going to get him back. AJ Dillon, uh, limited Thursday and Friday with a groin injury. Believe that was the same one that was bugging him last week. He was still able to play. Rashawn Gary, uh, limited Thursday and Friday with a shoulder injury. Elton Jenkins, limited Thursday, but did not participate Friday, uh, also with a shoulder injury. Shoulders are the new hamstrings, Dad. I don't know if you knew that for the Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt LaFleur, in his presser today, though, said yeah. that they're just being cautious with Elton. So that's at least some good news there. Yeah, I do not want to go without Elton, especially if Dexter Lawrence is able to play. Especially if Dexter Lawrence is able to play. And we'll get into that side of the Giants' uh, injury report in just a second because we're not even halfway done with the Packers one we're still going through it I just needed a quick little breather there you know gather myself Aaron Jones uh still coming back (laughs) from that you can't go through this and you can't go through this in one breath no not at all Aaron Jones still coming back from that MCL injury but he was limited Thursday and Friday so you know there's some optimism for his availability on Monday it'd be great to get him back Keyshawn Nixon with a wrist injury, full participant Thursday and Friday, nothing to worry about there. Jonathan Owens, knee injury, limited Thursday, Friday. Jaden Reed, chest injury, limited Thursday, Friday. That's that same one 
that, you know, he's kind of just been dealing with intermittently and it doesn't seem to have limited him too much. He just needs to take some days off here and there. Darnell Savage did not participate Thursday, was limited Friday, also with a chest injury. Eric Stokes, like we said, with that hamstring injury, still not off IR yet, but he was a full participant Thursday and Friday, and there's some optimism he'll be back by Monday. Quay Walker, this is a little concerning, shoulder injury, did not participate either Thursday or Friday. That is one that is a little unexpected and something to keep an eye on there because, you know. Right. It seems, Giants, yeah, it's something new. It didn't, didn't have that last week. No, exactly. And then Christian Watson, like we expected, hamstring, did not participate Thursday or Friday. Um, he did say earlier in the week, we talked about that he didn't think it felt as bad as the injury that he had earlier in the season to his hamstring. And per Ryan Wood, he also said he has recently been consulting with several doctors, even outside of the facility, about injury prevention, and that the general consensus is that he needs to strengthen his back muscles so his hamstrings aren't overcompensating because, you know, he is someone who both last year and this year has dealt with intermittent hamstring injuries. So not ideal there. Um, and then Devonte Wyatt elbow injury limited Thursday and Friday. And then for Jair, just one thing I forgot to mention, he did say he wants to play, but he can't say for sure if he's going to be ready to go Monday. That kind of, you know, leads me to believe maybe not for Monday and maybe we're going to have to wait another week to see him, but we will wait and see dad, anything that stood out more, like more from the Packers injury report. Um, I would say one of the concerning things is that the, the, some new injuries, like Wyatt, is he was limited last week, but that was with a different injury than the elbow, so that's something new. Um, and Walker with a brand new shoulder injury, and he's a DNP, so um, so far, so he's going to have to, I think, have to practice on Saturday to be able to play. We have a couple of players who are resting or limited with injuries they've had for a couple of weeks, but have been playing anyway. Um, I'm not so concerned about them, though. Maybe Reed has been a, even though he played, was a little limited um, with the chest injury at, um, the last games. He had may, maybe not as active as he has been in other games. I guess we'll see. Um, one of those things is probably just going to take a little time. Yeah, probably going to take some time for him to get to 100%, but he hasn't missed a game with this chest injury. So, you know, there's at least that going for him. On the onto the Giants side, though, uh, they have seven players listed. Daniel Bellinger, uh, tight end illness, didn't participate in practice on Friday. So looks like they got whatever's going around right now. Carter Coughlin, linebacker, hip injury, but he's a full participant Thursday and Friday. Um, just uh, one quick note, though. The Giants did not practice on Thursday, so that Thursday practice is an estimation. Dexter Lawrence, this is an important one to keep an eye on because he is probably their best player on either side of the football. Um, was limited both Thursday and Friday with a hamstring injury. We know how fickle hamstrings can be, so that's going to be one to keep an eye on. Evan Neal, uh, their starting right tackle, did not participate Thursday or Friday with an ankle injury. That's one to keep an eye on. He is normally their starting right tackle. He hasn't practiced this week and actually has not played since week nine. Uh, his backup for ESPN is Tyree Phillips, who has started their last three games and has started five total games this year. Uh, in those games, he is graded out slightly below average per PFF and is allowing about three pressures per game. So not a great backup right tackle and, you know, has struggled a little bit. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Uh, Sean Robinson, one of their defensive linemen, is limited Thursday and Friday with a hamstring injury as well. Isaiah Simmons, linebacker, ankle injury, limited Thursday and Friday as well. And then Terod Taylor, quarterback, um, full participant Thursday and Friday. But it looks like they're going to stick with Tommy DeVito anyways on Monday. Dad, anything that stood out to you from the Giants uh, injury report? Well, I'd say the big one is probably, it's got to be Dexter Lawrence, of course, because he's, um, I think, been out for a couple of weeks now, and this might be the first week where he started to practice again. 
Um, I think he missed weeks 12 and 13. But another one that's kind of interesting is Tyrod Taylor is back to full participant, and yet they've already announced ahead of time that they're going to have DeVito be the starter instead of, you know, let the Packers wonder who it was going to be. That, yeah. that was a little bit interesting uh, decision. Yeah, I thought a decision. Yeah, Lawrence missed last week, uh, week 12, or last week they played, that is, week 12. They were on by this past week, so had an extra week to get himself right. We'll see if he's available in this game. He's one of the game's bright young stars, so, you know, it'd be exciting to see him. Definitely be a little harder for the Packers if he plays, but definitely someone to keep an eye on and someone that we will discuss in the rest of this episode because lots to talk about. But, Dad, let's get into the basics of this game and start with just the quick facts. Games on Monday night in New York or New Jersey, I suppose, um, eight fifteen p.m. <laughs> local time. Uh, supposed the to be Greater New York metropolitan area, which is go. all of New Jersey, and you know, all <laughs> a of a bunch of other little. I states. was going to say a, a lot of states there. <laughs> New York really lays claim to quite a bit of that area, um, but supposed to be forty three degrees around kickoff, and it's supposed to rain during the day leading up to the game. So. Keep an eye on that. Hopefully the rain doesn't push yeah. you later into the day because that would be pretty miserable. Yeah, um, it's probably good that it, in terms of the the conditions, it's better that it's Monday instead of Sunday. Where yeah, Sunday, Sunday looks miserable. The East Coast is just going to be a mess. Yeah. Uh, Packers are six and a half point favorites uh, on the road, which is you know quite a bit on the road, with an over-under of 36 and a half for an implied score of around 21 to 15 Green Bay. Um, Low-scoring game, it looks like they're thinking. And, you know, Green Bay is favored by almost a touchdown, which is quite a lot on the road. Um, people clearly seem to be, you know, riding the Green Bay high. Uh, Dad, feels a little like a trap game, but, you know, it is what it is. Just got to go out there and execute. Uh, do you want to just get into the meat of the game preview or anything you wanted to say about that spread, that line, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, it feels so much like a trap game. we like, okay, we played the good teams. We're playing well. Everything's cruising. We're playing a team that we should beat. Yeah. Yeah. And and yet, just give you any vibes of last year's run of Giants, Jets. It's like, oh, we're coming up to, we got this great easy schedule coming up. Nope. No such thing. No such thing. And the thing is, you know, I'm just thinking back to, I'm, I don't even need to think back that far. I'm thinking back to, oh, you know, lost to the Lions. We get a bounce back game here against the Raiders. Nope. Oh, we lost to the Raiders. We got our bye. We got a bounce, bounce back game here against the Broncos. The de- nope. The Broncos. <laughs> Oh, yeah. we, oh, we lost to the Broncos. We get a bounce back game here against the Vikings with no Justin Jefferson. Actually, at that point, I was I was out on thinking of games as bounce back games. At that point, I was like, <laughs> nope, there's no such thing. But yeah, I think That's, you know, we were already starting to get into the, oh, we're somebody's bounce back yeah. game now. And th- But then we turned into someone's trap game. But now the Giants are our trap game. But so, the you know, got to focus up. Dad, a little keeping up with the Joneses, though. Let's talk a little bit about what's been going on with the Giants. They're currently 4-8 and eight and coming off of their bye. Like we said, they had a bye in Week 13. Uh, but before the bye, they were coming off back-to-back wins against the Commanders and the Patriots. Um, traditional statistics, these are per team rankings, are not great for the Giants. Uh, they are 31st in points per game on offense with 13.3 points per game. 32nd in yards per game on offense, 258.7. And then on defense, 26th in points per game allowed at 24.3 and 28th in yards per game allowed at 364.3 yards per game allowed on defense. That is quite a bit by DVOA per FTN Fantasy, which you know actually takes into account opponent, you know, strength of schedule, etc. On offense, they are 31st overall, 31st in passing, and 31st in rushing. Uh, and then on defense, they are 26th overall. That's the kind of consistency you like to see. That's the kind of consistency you like to see in your opponent, we will say. <laughs> uh, but 
26th overall on defense, 16th against the pass, and 30th against the rush. So, you know, they're doing a little bit against the rush. Uh, Dad, anything to say there? Should we go into your favorite section? We're playing nice and saying some nice things about the Giants. Where do you where do you want to go with this? Okay. I um is it not is it I guess it's not nice to say I had to do some digging to find something nice to say. Always have to couch everything um, in this section. You always have to be like, oh, you know, I looked really long and hard. Well, sometimes you could only find something. I have to throw somebody else under the bus to make somebody, to prop somebody up. Well, I don't know if I decided. But actually, the the Giants have been, you know, you talked about how they're kind of bottom of the league in a lot of, of the numbers on offense and defense. But they've been actually pretty good at recovering, at, at recovering, at covering receiving by running backs and tight ends. They give up the fifth fewest receptions and the fifth fewest receiving yards to running backs per game and the seventh fewest receptions, no, sorry, seventh fewest receiving yards and the third fewest receptions to tight ends. So they're doing a pretty good job at limiting production by tight ends and by running backs in the, through the air. By DVOA at FTN Fantasy, they are ninth best in covering running backs and number one in uh, defending tight ends. Not surprisingly, you think about where they, you know, they're usually catching the ball, like, they're also highly rated in covering the short part of the field, ranking seventh by DVOA. Yeah, I also so they do have a little bit of area where they're where they're doing well. Yeah, I also had you know my nice thing to say about them was also with regards to their defense. Um, you know, despite overall not being the best, like we said, you know, twenty sixth overall per DVOA. Uh, Wink Martindale is a very experienced and very aggressive defensive coordinator, uh, and right now he's coordinating you know not a very overall down-to-down super successful defense, but a very opportunistic defense right now. Uh, Per pro football reference, they are tied for ninth in the league in total takeaways and 12th in percentage of drives ending in a turnover. Uh, They currently have the fifth highest interception rate in the NFL. Uh, This is kind of illustrated also by the fact that they are 15th in EPA per dropback uh, while being 27th in dropback success rate per RBSDM. Um, That kind of indicates essentially that they're getting a lot of big plays on defense and maybe not allowing as many big plays from the opposing team. Uh, but down to down, they're, you know, struggling. But, you know, they're ending drives and turnovers, and that's how they're winning right now. They're being very opportunistic. Um, per pro football reference, like I said, they're very aggressive. They blitz at the second highest rate in the league on 41% of dropbacks. Now, we said last week, talking about how the Chiefs were very aggressive blitzing, Giants are on an entire entirely different level from that. The Chiefs were fourth in the league, but the gap between second and fourth is as big as the gap between fourth and 13th. The Giants are blitzing on 41% of dropbacks right now, which is just an obscenely high rate. Uh, It's just the Wink Martindale special. Like, that's what he does. He will just keep blitzing over and over again. Like, if you watched, the one that really stands out to me is the Giants-Niners Thursday night game from this year. They just blitzed every single down. And it didn't, like, it kind of worked. Like, I don't know. It's just, they're just throwing guys at them. So, yes, very opportunistic defense, very aggressive defense. So that's kind of the positives that I had to say about the Giants. Dad, anything else to say there? Or should we go about what we're specifically nervous about in terms of maybe some giant strengths that are some Packers weaknesses? Yeah, I think they can uh, jump right into that. Well, Do you want to go, go first? No, I'll or throw I'll... you. Go ahead. Yeah, what what are you so, nervous about in this matchup for I'm, how the Giants I'm nervous match up? about one of the things that the Packers have struggled with, and that's the run game. So in specifically about uh, Saquon Barkley. Um, if because and they don't really have many other weapons that really are scary unless like all of a sudden Jalen Hyatt you know channels his last year at Tennessee against us which you know I suppose that could happen it's entirely possible I've seen our safeties play 
a good amount. I mean, they, they, I, that's not fair. They've played pretty well this year. They've been playing pretty well lately. Yeah. Um, and, and stepping up in the run game. But, you know, even though you, people might say that um, Barkley's not having a great year, he's still averaging over four yards a carry, 4.2. And he is 16th in the league in yards after contact per carry, actually, at 3.07. So he's actually doing, and so his margin of, you know, before contact is pretty small for um, running backs who are, as high as he is in total yardage. He's again like barely over a yard before contact. And some people are like three or four um, yards before contact. So he's got to have had to do a lot of the work himself. And among just running backs, he's ninth in runs over 10 yards and tied for fifth in runs for more than 15 yards. So he is still producing some explosive plays. And he can also, you know, one of their better pass catchers um, out of the backfield. And including lining up a decent amount in the slot and even out wide. Uh, and he's got 12 first downs receiving. Yeah, I mean, we all know Saquon. Saquon's been a dynamic player pretty much since he entered the league, as long as he's been healthy. The Packers have struggled against running backs. That's definitely a matchup that I was nervous with. The one that I am nervous with is something that actually I had to delve kind of deeply into and kind of fell into on accident. Uh, and that is mainly late down running situations I'm a little bit nervous with. And that's the Packers on offense and the Giants on defense. Now, I know we talked about overall, the Giants run defense is not very good. 30th by DVOA, 30th in yards per carry allowed per team rankings at 4.8 yards per carry, which is even worse than the Packers who at four and a half. 29th in EPA per rush per RBSDM, 24th in rushing success rate per RBSDM. And they've given up over 100 yards rushing in all but two games this year per stat used. So overall, their run defense is not very good on the whole. But on third and fourth down, they are all the way up at 11th in EPA per rush, uh, EPA allowed per rush and third in rushing success rate allowed third. They are a top three run defense at, you know, essentially stopping first downs on third and fourth down. That's a crazy split in terms of how poor they are overall and how well they are playing on those late downs. Contrast that with the fact that the Packers late down run offense on third and fourth downs is below average. 20th in EPA per rush, 19th in rushing success rate. And even if you do the like cuts, so like, oh, the the you know, Packers offense has been much better since the Rams game in week nine. Even if you cut it from there to now, they're actually worse on late down rushes. 28th in EPA per rush on third and fourth down, 25th in rushing success rate on third and fourth down. So, you know, over that time span, that is. So it's definitely something that I was not expecting to see and definitely something where I'm like, okay, like, you know, not converting on a few third and shorts, a few fourth and shorts, turning the ball over on downs is a way that this game could be swung towards the Giants favor. So that's something that, you know, we talked a little bit about the Giants uh, defense being opportunistic in terms of turnovers. This is another way that their uh, defense is opportunistic, winning those third and shorts, fourth and shorts and getting the ball back uh, on downs that you'd normally expect the offense to succeed. Um, yeah, a big, and so sorry, just a, I did a little quick look at their third down um, conversion rate uh, against for the year. So not just on the run plays, but they're fifth in the league. And uh, oh, don't worry, I have percentage I'm going to talk about that more later. I already I have that in here. Okay, uh, you've already got spot. that in yes. there. No, because I think that the third down battle is actually going to be you know third down and short rushing is in favor of the Giants. Third down overall is going to be a very interesting battle because both these teams have some, you know, 
claims to being like, hey, we're actually pretty decent on third down on defense. Hey, we're actually pretty decent on third down on offense. And I think that's going to be an interesting battle. And we'll talk about that a little more in detail later. The other thing that I'm a little nervous about is Dexter Lawrence specifically. Uh, He is their star defensive player we talked about already. He should probably play in this game. He's limited Thursday and Friday, like we said. He didn't play last week, but they are, or last time they played, but they are coming off a bye last week. So he's had a little extra rest. PFF has him as their second highest graded defender at any position. At any position, he is their second best defender. He is second amongst all interior defensive linemen in total pressures. He is first amongst all qualifying interior D linemen. So that's, I did 150 snaps and 100 pass rush snaps in pressure rate. And that's total pressures divided by pass rush snaps and 16th amongst all defenders. He is 19th in run stop rate per PFF amongst players with 100 run defense snaps, 11th amongst all interior D linemen. And he's also third amongst D tackles in ESPN pass rush win rate. So any way you slice it, any metric you find, run, pass, he is a great defender in the middle. And he is something I'm a little nervous about because we'll talk about it later. You know, Packers interior O-line has some question marks, has some strength question marks specifically, like functional play strength, in my opinion, especially if Elton doesn't end up going, which, you know, fingers crossed he does. And they did say it's just precautionary. But if he doesn't, we're uh, so like I'm getting a little nervous there, Dad, but. Let's start. Yeah. Is it? Go do ahead. I recall correctly that he had a big game against us last year in London? Oh goodness, that is a good question. I do not remember how he performed in that game off the top of my head. Uh, but Dad, let's move on to some exploitable weaknesses of the Giants because there are some to be found, and I think we can, you know, at least be a little optimistic at times during this podcast. You know, we start with the negative and then we move on to the positive. For me, though, Dad. Some exploitable weaknesses of the Giants. I'll go ahead and start us off. I talked about their late down run defense being good, and I talked about their overall run defense being bad. You know, the math works out that that means that their early down run defense is really bad. Uh, I think that's kind of how the math ends up being, and the numbers bear that out. And so I think that's somewhere that the Packers can exploit that because the Giants are 28th in EPA per rush allowed on first and second down and 29th in rushing success rate allowed on first and second down per RBSDM. And also their pass rush isn't particularly good either. Um, They are 20th in pressure percentage per pro football reference. And keep in mind, that's with having the second highest blitz rate in the league. So they're sending extra guys and they're still not getting a ton of pressures per drop back, which, you know, that's not great. And then they are 30th in sack rate per pro football reference. Again, given the fact that they're sending extra guys rushing on almost on 41% of dropbacks and they're still not getting a high number of pressures and they're still not converting a high number of sacks. That's pretty bad in terms of how a pass rush should look when you're sending that many guys. Dad, what did you have as some exploitable weaknesses of the Giants? Oh, I just wanted to add a little something while you were vamping. I looked up Dexter Lawrence. He did not kill us um, in London. He only had, he's only credited with two pressures. In, two, pr- two pressures from an interior D lineman is a pretty decent day, I would say, actually. In, in, 57, in 57 snaps. I, I'd still say two pressures is a pretty good day from an interior D lineman. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd say that's a, a fairly strong day. It's not like a, a super strong day for him, but I'd say that's a, you know, a, an above average interior defensive lineman performance. But you're right. That isn't like killing us. That's true. Right. right. Um, but dad, things that are exploitable weaknesses of the Giants. So I went to their, uh, the offensive side, their offensive side of the ball, their pass protection and sack rate on offense are terrible. By DVOA at FTN Fantasy, they are dead last in adjusted sack rate on offense. So who's to blame? 
The O-line is bad by several metrics. They are dead last in pass blocking by PFF grade. By ESPN pass block win rate as a team, they're 27th. And um, DeVito is the ninth highest pressured QB based on percent of dropbacks. But it's not just a him problem because Daniel Jones was even worse. He was the second most pressured uh, quarterback by PFF. However, DeVito definitely makes it worse. He is dead last in pressure to sack conversion rate among quarterbacks with at least 50 dropbacks at 47.5%. So that like, so almost half of the times he gets pressured, it gets turned into a sack. And he's getting pressured on um, half of his dropbacks. So it's, it's yeah, really so compounding it's there. crazy high. Yeah. And he's also the fifth slowest in terms of time to throw in the league. So he's yeah. getting the ball, rid of the ball really slowly, and he's getting pressured. Yeah, and in his three starts this week, this year, he's averaging almost seven taken sacks a game, which is just really tough. And I know he has played in that stretch both the Cowboys and the Patriots, who are some top-tier defenses, but that's still a lot of sacks to be taking. Like, that's a very tough way to live on offense. Yeah, and and so then on, so that's that's so sort of, I think a really exploitable weakness, uh, an obvious exploitable weakness on their of their offense. And on defense, you know, I talked about how they're a little bit better at covering the uh, the short part of the field, but they are bad at defending the deep middle of the field. They are like twenty um, fourth in the league, especially the deep middle. Um, and the coverage rates of the their outside corners also been bad this year. Uh, Deontay Banks, Adoree Jackson, and Trey Hawkins all have PFF coverage grades in the forties, well below the kind of average of 60. Yeah, well, well below. Uh, Yeah, there are definitely some ways to, you know, get after this, you know, Giants offense. There's ways to get after this Giants defense. But Dad, how do you hope the Packers approach this matchup specifically? Like, what do you want to see from the Packers in this one? So I want to see the Packers take that playbook they had against the Pittsburgh Steelers and burn it to the ground and bury it deep and never see it again. I want them to play aggressively up front on defense with heavy boxes and an aggressive pass rush until DeVito has shown he can hurt them. I do not want to see a repeat where they're like light boxes and getting run on over and over again. Yeah, I I have ver- something very similar. I have essentially make Tommy DeVito beat you. You cannot have a repeat of the Steelers game where you're coming into the game knowing that the opponent's quarterback is a question mark and you just simply don't adjust the entire game to getting the ball ran down your throat for four quarters. It happened in that Steelers game. It happened to a lesser extent in the Atlanta game. You can't afford for that to happen in this game because if you can stop them from really running it on you, you should be able to win this game. And you just 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 take away the strong suit of the... like Focus on the strong suit of the opposing team and don't play against guys like Kenny Pickett, Desmond Rimmer, Tommy DeVito, like they're Patrick Mahomes. Like you don't need to keep an umbrella on top all the time against like lower tier quarterbacks, in my opinion. Over the weeks that DeVito has been a starter, so that's weeks 10 to 12, in that time span, he has ranked 36th in EPA per play amongst quarterbacks, 36th in success rate, 26th in completion. Remind your listeners, there are only 32 32 teams teams. in the league. Uh, 26th in completion percentage over expectation, 21st in average depth of target. Um, Like I said, to his credit, uh, he struggled versus the Patriots and Dallas, and those are two very good defenses. And he did have a pretty good game against the Commanders where he threw for like 230 yards and three touchdowns. But you just have to play this game and make Tommy DeVito beat you. And if he starts beating you in the first half, you know, you can make adjustments at halftime. You don't need to play the same way the whole game. The 
the game plan that you came in with, like you can make tweaks to it. So that's my main thing is you just can't have a repeat of that Steelers game. I think you and I are a hundred percent on the same page there. Um, Dad, it looks like you had something on offense too, though, that you hope the Packers did. Yeah. So on offense, I want to see them attack the deep portions of the field, especially deep middle where the, uh, the giants coverage is, is not so good. And the Packers have weapons in that area. So this could probably be looking for targets to Dobbs, Wicks and Reed. If Watson's out, which seems to be trending that way and kind of what we expected by the end of the last game, but we still have players who can attack that portion of the field. Even if Watson has to sit out. Yeah. You know, it is a little tough. I want to see them be aggressive passing downfield. Yeah. Some of the, our best attackers in the middle field were like, you know, Musgrave Watson, but we still have guys who are talented attacking that deep middle. So it's going to be interesting. And I hope we are able to take advantage of that. Dad, let's move on to our next section though. Don't take your eye off that guy. This is either who we think is going to be the player of the game, a player whose performance is really going to impact the game. Usually someone who's like, if they play well, like their team is going to succeed. If they play poorly, their team is going to struggle. Dad, who is your player in that respect? So um, the guy that I'm going to pick to keep my eye on is um, TJ Slayton, defending, particularly defending the run. Although his PFF run D grade is not that high, he does have the most stops against the run on the team and the highest stop percentage and leads all of the Packers interior um, defensive linemen in tackles against the run. And, yeah, he and, is to me a guy who is either making the tackle or getting absolutely blown out of the play by like a double team. There's no in between with him. He's like he just can't hold up to double teams despite his like large size. I think I feel like that's the thing that I get frustrated with him the most right now. Yeah, and I was just looking up about uh Barkley's run. Most of his yards are actually coming from like guard to guard. Um he does have some yardage like um outside the the left end but the most of it is like from left tackle sorry from left guard to right guard and so that's really kind of in the wheelhouse of the nose tackle to try to hold up at the point of the tack and keep the other defenders clean to make the tackle yeah i think that's 100 percent right i think you could have picked a lot of players on the defensive line in terms of like key cogs for this one because i do think the run defense is going to be very important for me, I went the other way. We talked a lot about how impactful um, Dexter Lawrence can be. And so I picked the person who's most likely going to be his direct matchup. I picked Josh Myers. Um, Dexter Lawrence has lined up in the A-gap on 55% of his snaps per PFF. So majority of his time is going against centers. Um, per Zach Cruz, this is actually kind of interesting. Myers is actually the sixth highest graded center per PFF over the last four weeks. So he's actually had a run of pretty good play right now. And, you know, he's coming off a game where obviously not him alone, but they played against Chris Jones, who is also a very talented defensive tackle. And he didn't destroy the game. He beat them quite a few times. He was in the backfield a good amount, but he didn't totally wreck the game. Like the fourth and one, he's absolutely in Jordan Love's lap. And then there's another play where Love has to completely peel out and he ends up rushing for a first down. But Chris Jones is in the backfield very quickly. The fact like. Guys that are that good, like Jones, like Dexter Lawrence, like Aaron Donald, are going to win. Like, they're going to get theirs. But you just can't let them absolutely take over the game. And so that's something that I'm keeping my eye on here. I would love to see, you know, some extra help for Myers, some extra help for the guards, doubling Lawrence, because I'm not particularly afraid of the other guys on that line right now. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau is like a decent player out on the edge, but it's just something yeah. where he, like, 
I think Lawrence is the one that you really need to keep an eye on. And so Myers, you know, he's going to have his hands full with that one. But at the same time, I think that, you know, he's going to have to play a good game for the, he can't play a terrible game and the Packers win, I guess is more what I'm, what I'm saying on this one. Um, Yeah, that's, I think that's fair. And Thibodeau is kind of interesting. You mentioned him. I think he's, he's got a decent number of sacks, but his like pressure to sack ratio is maybe not sustainable. He's been converting a lot of, uh, unusually high number of his pressures to sacks. Yeah. So, but anyway, dad, those are our players to watch, but let's go to overtime. And these are kind of some pieces of information that we just wanted to drop as little nuggets that didn't quite fit in our, you know, nice little boxes. Um, for me though, we already kind of talked about this and teased it. Uh, Late downs overall is something that I'm really keeping my eye on in this one. Um, we talked earlier about how the Giants have a very good late down run defense and the Packers have a generally poor late down run offense. But offense and defense as a whole, you know, Packers offense, Giants defense, I think this is going to be a battle on those late downs and might end up swinging the game. Um, Giants are the fourth best term, uh, sorry, fourth best defense overall. So not just run defense in terms of EPA per play on third and fourth down. They are the sixth best defense overall in terms of success rate allowed on third and fourth down. And they, like you said earlier, allowed the fifth lowest third down conversion rate in the NFL at about 35%. Those are per um, RBSTM and team rankings, respectively. It should make for an interesting battle, though, because right now the Packers are 11th in EPA per play on third and fourth down for the season, 11th in success rate on third and fourth down, uh, and the sixth best third down conversion rate at about 44% uh, RBSTM and team rankings, respectively, right there. So very interesting um, in terms of, I think, you know, those late downs are always very much um, turning points in the game at times. And I think, you know, we have a team that's very, very good at late, uh, late down run, uh, late down defense, that is. And then a team that is, you know, almost top 10 at a lot of, in most metrics at late down offense. So definitely something I'm keeping my eye on there. And then the other thing that I just wanted to touch on is, the Giants defense has been very opportunistic, but the Giants offense is very reliant on the defense taking the ball away. Uh, this is per Zach, Gru- Zach Cruz on Twitter. Over their past you know, two-game win streak, the two games that they've won, 34 of the Giants' 41 points have come off of turnovers. So that's definitely something to keep in mind, and that's something that I'm keeping my eye on, is you know, if the Packers can limit mistakes on offense, will they be able to you know, stifle the Giants' offense a little bit as well? Um, but dad, what did you have for this overtime section? Anything that you still wanted to discuss? Oh, I just thought I'd like chime in a little bit about, uh, the third and fourth down thing. So over the last three games, or actually it's even four games, Jordan Love is seventh in the league in EPA per play and completion percentage over expected per play on third and fourth downs. So he's, he's been heating up in those situations as well um, yeah. for for that competition with the the Giants third and fourth down defense that's been performing well. Isn't it weird how like the Giants defense is bad and then on third and fourth down, it's just remarkably very good. I don't really get it. Yeah, I don't understand very... how that happens. And we, you and I are talking about this before we came on. It's like, where there's, is there a particular aspect of their defense that's always good, but becomes more important on third and fourth down. And the answer to that was, I couldn't find it. Um, so they're just making more plays on those high pressure downs. Not like it's um, the, those downs are revealing something they're always good at. 
Yeah, to me, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The only thing I could think, and this was just for the, you know, third and fourth down rush, like run defense success that they've had, is that, you know, Dexter Lawrence's role gets way more amplified in those scenarios in like third and fourth and short with him being like, you know, this big beefy guy on the interior. But I, I don't know how it's overall. And maybe, you know, there are more third and fourth down like run scenarios than there are past scenarios. And so they're able to like leverage his talent on those third and fourth and shorts into being successful in those scenarios. And so then it's overall just affect like their overall defensive numbers look really good. That was the only thing I could think of. Cause otherwise, you know, like you said, they're just making, there's playing better on third and fourth downs is the only other thing we could think of. We could think of really, which, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it could be, but this is what the numbers are telling us is that, you know, third and fourth down, they're a very good defense. Third and fourth down Packers are a pretty good offense. So we're going to go and see about that. Dad, anything else you wanted to touch on in overtime though? Well, just one thing I'd comment on that that occurred to me while you're talking is like, I don't know what their personnel is like on third and fourth down versus other downs. And I don't know, um, like, Lawrence's snap percentage. Maybe he's playing more on third and fourth down than on, like, second down. Fair. Just That's a f- or, or there's somebody else who's like that – that their personnel is actually different on those downs. And maybe that explains – why they're so good in those um, situations. Yeah, and it's remarkable to be that good on third and fourth down. Also, I know we're harping on this a bit, when you're that bad on first and second down <laughs> because you're letting yeah. them get ahead of the sticks. You're letting them get into third and manageable. And now you're still, we have them right where we I was going to say, you get them into third and two <laughs> and you just turn up the heat, I guess. Like, I don't really <laughs> understand how that's happening there. But anyway, um, high leverage downs are going to be something to watch in this game because it could come down to, you know, getting stopped on fourth down a couple of times. Like that could just be the difference in the game. Um, But dad, let's kind of start wrapping up here and let's get down to the bottom line. The Giants win if blank dad. How did the Giants win this game? Well, I just had one other, my, my little, uh, another overtime thing. Oh, I'm sorry. I I, I jumped the gun a little bit. Go back to to overtime. But the, the Giants are actually on a little bit of a heater for their coverage grade. You know, they've had an elite coverage grade in their last two games that they won against the Commanders and Patriots. Now, maybe that's mostly because I've had three interceptions in both of those games. Um, but both those games have had a coverage grade as a team over 85. However, in the previous 10, they only had one coverage grade over 64 and none with a grade over 66. And so are they have they improved or is this just a blip in the radar to, I mean- to think about? You talked about how they had three interceptions in each of the last two games. They have nine takeaways overall over their last two games. Yeah. Which is just, I mean, they're on a heater right now in terms of like getting hands on the ball, taking, stripping the ball, like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like we said, they're scoring most of their points off of those turnovers these last two games. And that's how they've been able to win. So something to keep an eye on is ball security is going to be once again at a premium in this game. Packers are going to have to protect the ball. And, you know, the Packers have actually not turn the ball over in this three-game win streak. So that's something as well to, you know, keep in mind. Um, but Dad, uh, bottom line, once again, let's try this again, unless there's anything more you wanted to touch on on overtime. <laughs> I'm going to gonna let you talk a little this, more this time. This time, this time, this, this time. time. This time? It's um, diabolical. But anyway, bottom line, Giants win if blank, Dad. Um, they run all over the Packers like the Steelers did, and Saquon has 200 yards. Okay. Okay. I yeah. And if I if would, it goes like I that, they it. yeah, I would hate it. That would drive me absolutely nuts. Yes, a hundred percent. You know, I'm just imagining you know a very wet, slippery field, 
Packers missing some tackles here and there, letting him get out, you know, getting Just, pushed back right. in the run game. They're, they're going to, like, hose his jersey down if it's not raining enough. I know, right? Hose the field down, make it a little slick out there. You know, Packers are used to playing on a slick field, though, so maybe maybe working their advantage. Uh, for me, though, Dad, Giants win if they can win the turnover battle. Talked about how their, their offense is very, very dependent on those turnovers in terms of getting short fields. Talked about how that's how they've won their last two games, forcing nine turnovers over those two games. Almost all of their points are coming from turnovers. I think that's the way the Giants win this game. And if the Packers can just protect the football, and we'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, Dad, Packers win if blank. So for me, it's if they could force the Giants into passing situations, and then I think they'll get multiple and get multiple sacks. But I think if they force the passing situations, I think they're going to get multiple sacks and completely blow up the the Giants' defense. Yeah, I think to- if if they if they if Devito has to drop back and pass, he's going to be running for his life. Mm-hmm. For me, Packers win if they can play mistake free patient football and it can can avoid getting into you know too many third down scenarios i think you know just stay ahead of the sticks let's just not even play on like, if we just don't even have third downs, say, that'd be if great you, if you if you just get first one first down after another on first second down it doesn't matter how good the third and fourth down defense is exactly so that's that's the game i mean i'm sure that would be a great blueprint for almost every team it's like oh just don't have third downs then you'll just win yeah like no duh but anyways um Dad, let's kind of start wrapping things up here. Score prediction. What do you got? So for me, I don't see the Giants scoring many points. So I'm being very optimistic and going Packers 24, Giants 13. Okay. I see what you're saying. I am taking the Packers as well, but I got Packers 20, Giants 17. I think the Packers are better than that, but I don't think they're going to end up covering a six and a half. And I think it's going to get a little messier than maybe we would like, uh, or maybe that we, than we would hope. Um, but as long as they come out with a win on Monday, I'll be happy. Um, but anyway, dad, this has been our preview for the Packers upcoming Monday night showdown against the New York giants in New York or New Jersey. However you want to East Rutherford at MetLife. That is, Oh, the other thing is dad mentioned this is on turf. And this let's is a, just this is the field that everybody hates. Let's just say a little, you know, put some good vibes out there. This is the field that per the athletic, they pulled players, the most hated field in the NFL. This is the field where a lot of players have gotten injured in the past. Let's just say a little, you know, put some good vibes out there for both teams. Let's just no injuries on this terrible turf that everyone hates. Let's knock on wood. Let's just put some good vibes out into the universe because obviously most important thing is health for everyone. MetLife is generally considered to be one of the worst stadiums. Let's just, you know, let's just put those good vibes out there. But anyway, thanks again for listening. We will be giving you a breakdown pod after this game on Monday. We'll probably be giving that pod to you on Tuesday night. So we'll probably see it Wednesday in your feeds. Keep an eye on it. If you like what you heard here today, come give us a follow on Twitter at FatherSonPacker. We tweet out new episodes we have articles we find interesting, pieces of stats that we find during our research for these episodes, videos we find interesting, Packers news, Packers transactions, et cetera, et cetera, one-stop shopping for everything Titletown, and then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube. You can find them there. If you subscribe to us there, it would really help our numbers and we would appreciate it. Tell your friends, tell your family, come give us some more listeners. You know, we don't bite. 
We are here giving you two episodes a week for the rest of the year. And then we do one episode a week, every week for the off season, talking about stuff like the draft, talking about free agency, talking about how we felt like the package performed this year. But that's still a long way off, hopefully. Hopefully a very long way off. You know, you never know. Um, But anyway, moving forward, come give us another listen. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.